and welcome back, everybody, to the train of ambivalence. Welcome back, everyone. It's good to be back. Reverb, and it's me, Zane. And it's me, Anwick. And how's everyone doing? It has been a solid week, and we have stuff to talk to you about today. Today is our best of 2020 episode, uh, and we're going to look for the few bright sparks that we had this few year, this this past year, this fucking yeah, yeah, just the, the glowing embers that got us through this 2020. Yeah. is what we're going to be looking at. Because, let's be honest, 2020 was the year of gaming because everyone was forced to do it more than that, what they probably would on a normal year. It's like the one industry that didn't collapse. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. Gaming was the only industry that just shot through the roof because it's like, oh, everyone needs something to do because they're constantly at home because they can't see friends. But, you know, we don't need to explain lockdown to you. You're probably in it again, huh? Yeah, you yeah. should be like a pro by now. <laughs> so, as usual, we're going to start off, as usual, we've done it for one week. As usual, we're going to start off with a news catch-up. So what's been in the news? On my radar, something that was been on our both our radars for a little bit of time, but we just totally neglected to speak about, and we forgot pretty much every episode, <laughs> was the KFC console, the amazing, the beautiful, the super sleek and sexy KFC console. Yes, I don't know why we forgot to talk about this last week because it's possibly the most interesting piece of news in this whole year. Like, okay, so KFC are making a games console, and it seems like the kind of thing you'd read on like um, the Onion or, or News Fun for something, where it's like, ah, bullshit. No, they're actually making a games console which supposedly rivals a gaming PC, and it keeps your chicken warm at the same time. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get greased on my controller, but a gaming PC console doesn't sound too bad, but, you know, got to see it in, in, in person, right? I mean, come on. If you're not sold on this, let me just read out, like, the little bit of introduction they have on the website. It's, the KF, KFC console has arrived, forged from the fires of the KFC ovens and built by Cooler Master from the ground up. There has never been a tastier way to experience the latest titles in stunning 4K and 20, 240 FPS. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing. That, that sounds amazing. And in 240 FPS, it's like you can get epilepsy and diabetes at the same time. I've got to say, it's a thing of beauty. And um, it's very strange because it's basically, like you said, it's like pretty much like almost like a mini PC. Yeah. Because it's totally upgradable. You can switch out parts on the fly just to up, give a bit of an upgrade as, as you fit. It's uh, VR already. It's got ray tracing, 20 FPS, like we said, 240 hertz output. It's insane. So what I question is, surely this thing would be like 900 to 1,000 and a half pounds, right? Especially, I mean, let's be honest, the, the PC stuff is important, but it keeps your chicken warm. And I feel like that in itself is worth like 600 pounds, right? It's insane. I mean, <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Think about it. I'm like... Can you imagine like injecting the, like the disc from it and it just smells like fried chicken? <laughs> yeah. I feel like your room would smell like fried chicken constantly if you played on it for more than 10, 10 minutes. Yeah, it, definitely. And, but can you imagine it sitting next to your TV and like your other consoles just reeking of chicken? 
I mean, it's not a bad smell, but you probably would get sick of it, and it probably would lower your house prices. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a bad gift to give to a vegetarian. Let's just say that. Oh, definitely. I mean, it doesn't come with chicken, so I guess it could just be a games console. Like, it's not gonna. It doesn't. The console itself doesn't smell like chicken, so I'm sure. I'm sure it wouldn't be that bad. But like, can you imagine people reselling it? Yeah, uh, it'd be disgusting. <laughs> wouldn't it? All the all the you leftover oil. But you probably um you probably get a lot of money for it reselling it if you included the tags never been used with chicken. <laughs> like chicken free, you'd probably earn a bit more money on it. But it, I think it's just going to be one of those things. It's super quirky. It's going to go down as like a collector's item. Yeah. And awesome. yeah, it's amazing. I, I low-key kind of want one. <laughs> I want one. I really want one. Just to say I have the KFC console. It's kind of, uh, it's... It's like these landmark moments only happen once in a lifetime, you know? But good God, no one on God's green earth was expecting that one. It's like they put the colonel's soul into a machine. It's no longer a soulish machine. It's just a, he's trapped there forever till the end of eternity. Is the colonel still alive? He's dead, isn't he, right? He's dead. Dude, he he died a long, long time ago. ago. I mean, we don't know that for sure. He could have been like cryogenically frozen like Walt Disney cryogenically frozen and just kept alive kept like frozen next to the secret recipe the secret recipe was and it, it'll be it'll be like the indiana jones sequence where he t- like takes the golden egg and then suddenly the, the thing comes alive and yeah <laughs> so should we should we move on from the KFC console i feel like we've touched on this a fair amount yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm quite happy with everything we've covered cool so the next thing is that nintendo um a company that we do feature on the show a fair amount have bought the company or have pretty much outright bought the company next level games to people who make the uh, luigi mansion luigi's mansion series uh, or at least they've made two and three so from what i understand this isn't going to make much of a difference in terms of games output because they only make for nintendo anyway so pretty much pretty much but um the games are quite well received so maybe we might be seeing uh, more games mm. sooner hopefully well, then, so I've, from what I've understood, Luigi's Mansion 3 is a really, really good game. And from the from the footage I've seen of it, it's absolutely beautiful. So I know they, they can make a really good looking game. So I guess it's good for Nintendo. You get yet another company who are dedicated solely to making games for them. I mean, it's good for us, I guess, as, as Switch owners. Yeah, I mean, as long as they look after the company and they don't do any like bullshit with them and don't screw them over, it could, it could work out quite nicely. Well, because... Nintendo aren't really known for that kind of stuff, if I'm not mistaken, or at least you don't get the same sort of horror stories as you do um, when you hear about, like, EA or um, Bethesda or whatever. But, you know, you're like, at least maybe if Next Level were in trouble financially, now they're saved. I mean, you saw what happened with Alpha Dream, the people who make the uh, Mario and Luigi series. is like they were only making the Mario and Luigi series. And then they went bust because they were making a series that, kind of peaked on the on the ds um <clears throat> but yeah i mean that's something to mention because it revolves around nintendo and it's like i have no idea what else to see on this subject <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much uh and finally uh in, in terms of week-to-week news we have the revelation of like a i don't know if it's necessarily concrete but there's been like a data mine in in one of the updates for the switch and apparently it mentioned something to do with the switch pro is what people are reporting on. That, uh, that's the thing. I've, we've got our hopes up so many times on this matter. 
I mean, hopes up so many times in general when it comes to Nintendo and like Nintendo. Like, for example, what there's a rumored direct coming up in January. Yeah, because um, I was looking into that whole direct news you just mentioned, and the, the rumor was just purely based on the fact that they were kind of archiving some of the materials on the direct website. And they technically only do that before the release of a direct. So, so that's that's all we have to go up, go on. So uh, we're very much kind of just like scraping the bell and looking, and just praying and hoping we get some Nintendo news and then another direct, which I would love. Nintendo fans are like the people; they're like uh, serial killers. Yes, yeah, the serial killers in their basements with the the giant boards of strings attached from one thing to another. It's like, oh no, no, but this means this and this means this. Surely everything's a fucking conspiracy with us for some reason. The, the always sunny Pepe Sylvia thing. Pepe Sylvia, yeah, exactly. It is Pepe Sylvia, but constantly. But um, with the Switch Pro in general, I mean, what they're talking is apparently could have a 4K screen. It could um, either the 4K screen or it might all output to 4K on the TV. And I would imagine they would do this because the Switch model works fantastically well for Nintendo. And I think, you know, it's, it's such a cool niche of having a, a console, finally having a console that does both handheld and dot. Um, but they do need to be able to cater to games which are coming out on the PS5 and, and the Xbox mm. Series X, right? So true. The Switch is technically two general... Okay, I don't know if it counts as two generations, but it's it's pretty much in terms of uh, power, it's two generations behind those consoles. Yeah. So as games become more and more uh, built for those consoles, they're going to get left behind, otherwise. Yeah, they will definitely get left behind. I mean, they can only do so much with their own titles. I mean, you do get some fantastic Nintendo titles, don't get me wrong. But like you said, they need to be able to compete with like the wider PS5 and Xbox, mar- Xbox market. And, and yeah. actually have a platform that other companies are willing to release titles on and not have to make so many adjustments just to get it onto the, that platform. Because the rule of thumb is you, if you're buying something which is cross-platform, you buy on Switch, it'll it'll run worse or look worse, but the positive is that it'll be, it'll be portable. Yeah. And to not have that, competing alongside the ps5 and xbox series x because let's be honest like there have been nintendo consoles in the past who have fantastic first party libraries but really bad third party uh, offerings so specifically game uh, gamecube and n64 oh yeah the, game, the games made by nintendo's on, the, on those consoles are really really good uh, you could argue for the wii as well let's be honest <laughs> Yeah, but like the Wii, the Wii had so many games as the thing. They just had an abundance of games, and that's why, like, it's still one of the best-selling consoles of all time. And and in comparison to say the the GameCube N sixty four, but specifically N sixty four, when the only good titles are all first party, it severely it severely like lowers the prospects of like more people buying into it. Yeah, and it gets more difficult when in situations like we're doing the pandemic because the releases of like the main party games are get really sporadic and really yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It kind of kind of exacerbates the whole situation. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. It makes it feel like because you know you sometimes feel like you're waiting months on end for news about one of their games to begin with, and and then to say that they're not even going to get third party games. There was a no, it's not going to happen overnight, obviously, but it's something that Nintendo need to get ahead of because yeah. 
yeah, like games are getting made cross-platform at the moment. Like your, most PS5 games are also PS4 games. But mm-hmm. and apparently Xbox have said that for two years, um, all Series X games are going to be running on the one. Okay. For the first two years of the Series X's life, so it's a fair amount of time to, still to go. But you know, we yeah. haven't even had we haven't had an official announcement of the Switch Pro yet. We don't know what anything about it. So, so. You know, Nintendo probably needs to get ahead of this. And let's face it, at this stage, we're extremely attention-starved and neglected. Yeah, you know what? It's like the, the pandemic has definitely made us fans, like, extremely needy, haven't we? We've become so... so. It's like Nintendo's teats. We're just never going to stop breastfeeding. What a weird analogy to bring up for fucking games. That was the worst. Let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's finish this. <laughs> okay, cool. So as, as we segue awkwardly into our main conversation of today, so we're doing the best of 2020. Yay, I guess. Yay. Wish I had some like party poppers or like streamers or like some balloons to rain down. It's okay. I can just edit in like a, a, all of those noises. A and... fanfare. Like at least like celebration by... Who please you sing celebration? Oh, Earthwind of Fire? It's cool, cool in the gang. Cool in the gang. God damn it. <laughs> yep, Karen, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, so we thought we would start off with films because we, we both uh, went through all of the things that we, we did this year in terms of games, films, and TV. And we were saying how there wasn't a whole lot to mention, but we, we've noted them, the ones that we thought of. Um, so I thought in terms of uh, films of 2020 very very scarce but there were a few to mention but also by default because i watched so few films from 2020 because there weren't that many released all of the films that are on the top 10 are just films that i've watched as as, as opposed to being because they're better than most films so to, to start us off um i think i think a good one to start off is uh birds of prey so Ooh, i don't know was one of the one of the first uh, films to watch of 2020, and to to give like a generic sort of overview of it. So, Birth of Prey is probably one of the best DC films, in my opinion. I think so. Yeah, I think they they took the aesthetic of Suicide Squad, but like made it way better. And they cut and, out all the weak aspects, which were half the characters. Yeah, a hundred percent. They cut out half of the characters, and they they made it more female centric. They based the whole thing on Harley Quinn, and I think she had a good dynamic between her and like the other characters. It was it was a good one, and I, I've just generally thought the the whole film was just more fun in in comparison to most of the DC offerings, especially before like well, well around that time, but before that time was like Aquaman and uh, Shazam. So it's like falling in line with this new look DC of let's try and have fun with our films. And I'd say it's working. It is is a joy to watch. I really enjoyed the fight sequences. The choreograph, they're choreographed so well and so beautifully. Is yeah, and Margot Robbie like her doing her stunts was fantastic. It's um, what's great is with um, with that film in general and the fight sequences is that because they're all they none of them have powers which are super super over the top all of their fighting is grounded yeah it really is it, I, it, it's refreshing and it makes it a bit more enjoyable i think yeah because you know we're so used to like the the uh, apocalyptic buildings falling everywhere and people flying through the skies and stuff whereas this was quite cool it was all like street level it reminded me of things you'd see on like the netflix marvel shows but just oh a bit, yeah a bit more um, money going into them you know yeah definitely 
Definitely. I think, as you said, uh, Margot Robbie was really good in it. Like, I think she's really taken to the Harley Quinn character. Um, but this time she kind of, she she had more of a say of like what the character's like. Because she seemed to, because in Suicide Squad, if you compare the two, Suicide Squad, she was more of like a supplementary character, in my opinion. Yeah, she very much took the back seat. And I think her character suffered because of it. Yeah, and it, it was almost like they were telling her to play a bit too close to the source material. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's just, because she, she's a big character. Like, she's a big character. She's got such a huge personality, and you really just got to let her shine. Exactly, and I think the way, the direction they took in this one was was great. Um, they also brought in, um, what do you call it? Um, the Canary, Black Canary, and uh, the Huntress. So, as you'd expect with the Bird of the Prey film, and I thought it was a good introduction. I thought um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was good as the Huntress. Uh, she's generally pretty great in everything. And um, I, I don't remember who plays the Canary, but she was pretty great. And I can't remember to save my life who played the Canary, but she was actually, from what I remember, like the dynamic of all of them working together worked quite well. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they had great chemistry together. What do you think of uh, Ewan McGregor as a, as a Black Mask? It was very unhinged and I loved him. There was a bit where he cuts off a guy's, like, that family's face in front of the daughter and it's like, man, this guy's great. <laughs> like, whenever I see something with Ewan McGregor, like, I just can't stop thinking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's difficult, yeah. It's difficult. I, like, I, I find it, I, I enjoyed his role in this movie. Like I said, him being unhinged really worked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every time I see him, I'm like, Obi- it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> midichlorians. For me, it's, Two, it's if I see him with hair, it's Obi Wan. If I see him without hair, it'll obviously be Rendon from Transporting. Oh, uh, yeah, I knew you were going to say Transporting. Yeah, because it's like his two main ones, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. But yeah, that's uh, a pretty, pretty great. If you haven't watched it already, I highly recommend. Um, definitely recommend. The next one in the year was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, which was way fucking better than I thought it would be, even if that means it was just about middle of the road. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was good fun to watch. It was funny at times. Voice acting was good. Jim Carrey was weird as fuck, but that's just Jim Carrey. <laughs> I thought, um, I thought, uh, what's his name? Ben Schwartz was great. It was the voice. I, I, we love him as uh, John Ralphio. Yeah, he, he, he has a fantastic voice and it really works in that role so well. Mm, exactly. I'm, I'm so used to hearing like snarky, uh, teenage voices play Sonic that it, it worked pretty well and then, I mean like his, Schwartz is like his voice it's just got like this child like kind of wonder to it I don't know how else to describe it it just fits it really really fantastically well it, it's like when he's doing singing bits in Parks and Rec and he's like yeah. hey I'm homeless <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, he okay. hits the notes so well it's like oh that was actually really well done yeah the man can harmonize. The man can harmonize. That's yeah, what I can exactly. say. <laughs> but yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog was a great film. I think it was it was a good a good kids film that you know on a, on a, any other year wouldn't be in the top ten of anything, but by default it, it was here. And you know, as 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 far as video game films go, this was towards the top end, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're looking quite close to top two in this one. Mm. Um, I did. Uh, there was like a sneak, like little preview off and towards the end, wasn't there? With uh, tails. Tails. Yeah, he comes flying in at the end, and I think he's yeah. like Sonic. 
although they never established that Sonic knows Tails, but I'm assuming... Yeah, that doesn't get covered, but it's going to be interesting to see where they go with the next movie. And it was quite cool. Well, I thought it was quite funny seeing um, Jim Carrey stuck on the Mushroom Planet just going insane. (laughs) Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is so reliably, like, great, is the thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, come on, he's done, like, all the films from my childhood that we probably enjoyed, like um, Ace Ventura, The Mask. And that other film from my childhood, the number 23. I thought you were going to say the Eternal Sunshine Spotless Mind. <laughs> That's another one, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, we, were, we were very unfortunate children. Um, Truman Show? That was another one from my childhood. I remember watching that quite a lot of time. Did you? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, quite a few times, actually. Liar, liar. Oh, okay, we're just naming Jim Carrey films at this point. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a good performance. I thought that he he played Eggman pretty well. I mean, there's no it's like what Eggman, what character does Eggman have in the games? You know what I mean? Like these characters are very much open for interpretation because they don't have like solid personalities, do they? I mean, I would have loved to see him in a fat suit just mm-hmm. for like shits and shits and gigs. I'm sure we'll uh, get that next time though. Yeah, he's probably like just gorging himself on like psychedelic mushrooms and just like putting on loads of weight. <laughs> It's like uh, seeing him, seeing him at the end with the bald, with being bald and with a giant mustache, which is pretty freaky, yeah. But it's fucking great. He, I loved it. He plays Eggman with this uh, intensity of, of. Oh yeah, he does. He's like more superior to everyone, and it's it's it comes across really well. It's like he's talking the way he interacts with the other people in the film. But like, it, it's very much Jim Carrey's bread and butter in that the character he plays is so ridiculously over the top. Yeah. And yeah, that's just Jim Carrey acting. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you knew you knew he would you kind of know exactly what he's gonna be doing in that role before you before you even go to the cinema because you know it's Jim Carrey and he's not playing a serious role, which means he's gonna be playing a fucking crazy role. There's yeah. one of the two, isn't it? Because he's actually a really good actor, is the thing. And he'll he'll when he take when he's serious, he's amazing, is the thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but anyway, Sonic, pretty good. It's not, it's, it's, it's not bad. Not one I would go out of my way to watch, but definitely something I'd watch if I have, like, kids. I probably would go out of my way to watch it. I think I'd probably enjoy it more than you. I thought, it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was enjoyable. And I'm like, I, and out of the two of us, I'm the only one who actually likes Sonic games. I've only played like two Sonic games, and that's Sonic Events Two on the GBA. Was it just Sonic Events? I can't remember. Was, yeah, and then the one came after that. That fucking sucked. Anyway, Sonic Events Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, so the next one on the list is Bad Boys for Life, which I did not watch. So I'll let you take the lead on this one. Don't fucking watch Bad Boys for Life. Just don't. Don't do it. Like, I, I'm, I'm really upset it was the last film I watched before lockdown because it's like, if I die now, that will be the last film I watched at the cinema. It is very much exactly what you think it is going to be, which is, I don't know, man. Like, what is there to say? Everyone feels like they're kind of phoning in, but it's what you'd expect. Everyone's old now, and it's like, we're here for the money. But mm. also, I can't imagine... I don't know if it's me getting older and not having an appreciation for this kind of film anymore, but... From what I understand, most people felt the same way. The thing is, I've not watched a single Bad Boys film. Really? I've, the first one's really good, and the second one's absolutely dog shit. 
But so, the first one's made by like I don't know someone else, and the second one's made by Michael Bay, and it became way more action heavy, and it's fucking awful. <laughs> Things I have like no idea what the premise is. For all I know is that they're they're, they're cops, right? They're like FBI or something. Yeah, they're cops. They're just normal cops. Okay, cool. And that yeah, okay, cool. And then the, the the premise is that Martin Lawrence is like the goofy one, and Will Smith is the cool one. That is the entire premise. And the first film is actually great, but it's way more serious than anything that comes after it. Because the, the first film is like, um, there's this woman who goes into witness protection and it's about her, like them protecting her while also bringing in bits of comedy. I want to see who that first film was directed by because it's a drastic departure from what ends up happening. I'm, I'm laughing because the last Martin Lawrence film I saw was Black Knight. Oh God. <laughs> That film is so fucking funny. It's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking bad. You know, so the first one was also directed by Michael Bay. It's just, it was before he went all action. So this was before okay, Before he went all out on Over the Top. Yeah, so this was actually before Armageddon. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, don't watch this film. Or I'm sure you weren't going to anyway, but to, to the viewers, just save yourselves the time. Don't fucking watch Bad Boys for Life. Not much to say about that. Um, Out of interest, have you watched Black uh, Black Knight? Yeah, I watched Black Knight. I actually dragged my family to go to see it. Really? I, yeah, we went to um, we were meant to go to Drayton Manor, and something happened while we were on the way to Drayton Manor that delayed us, and we just couldn't end up going. So we had to go to Star City instead. Mm-hmm. And half of us, I was just like, I was little. I was like seven years old, probably eight years old. And I said to yeah. them, like, oh, we'll go to the cinema. And we, I, I took, like, half of them went to go see Austin Powers' Gold Member. And half of them came with me to see Black Knight. And they came out afterwards and they said to me, they're just like, that was one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and they were all, like, really annoyed at me. And I was like a little kid. And because I, I saw Martin Lawrence, I was like, ah, I mean, Martin Lawrence would be funny. And it was fucking it awful. so fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> the pre- so the premise of that, he literally just falls into, like, some puddle. Well, he, fall, he falls... He falls into a, a giant bit of water and he wakes up in a moat. And that yeah. is... I, I, he's back in medieval times and he's playing and yeah, he helps some guy like claim back the throne. I mean, it says a lot. It says a lot that the entire, like the, the premise of the movie and the wordplay in the title is that it's about the Black Knight, but also he's black and that's mm. why it's supposed to be funny. Yeah, that, that's about... <laughs> That's about as deep as the comedy gets. Don't, yeah, so don't, don't watch this film back from back in like the early 2000s either. It's probably a safe bet to stay away from most Martin Lawrence films. It's not that bad. Like, he's such a good comedian as a thing. He's a good comedian, but let's be honest, uh, Big Mama's House, uh, Black Knight, like we said, <laughs> later Bad Boy films, it's, it's not a... Yeah. It's not a, a good batting average, is what you're trying to say. Definitely. He's not, he's definitely not like, um, it's, it's like he skipped the good period of Eddie Murphy films and went straight to like the Norbit era. Definitely. A weird bit of trivia for you. Um, Martin Lawrence was, was born in West Germany. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, how? I don't know. <laughs> you should ask him. Yeah, we should ask him. Well, like, yeah, he was born in April 16, 1965, Frankfurt, Hesse, West Germany. Fuck, I, was, uh, I would not have expected that. I was not expecting that. 
That's hilarious. So that technically Martin Lawrence is European. Well, actually, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, so the next one on the list yep. is uh, a week we, uh, film we covered last time, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much, yeah. I mean, we went into a fair amount of detail about it last time, but yeah. we, our overall sort of views on it were, it was okay. I've but, tried to keep this in like few words as possible. Good could be shorter. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Five words. Yeah. Five words. There you go. Good could, please, could be shorter, please. Please. Yeah. That's what we really, we really hammed on about it last week. We were just saying like the film was, would probably have been a lot better and more enjoyable if it was just like a hundred minutes shorter. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think enough said on that one. Should we move on to the next bit? <laughs> yes. Um, the final film I have. So obviously films, you know, big delays this year. We were supposed to get a Bond film this year. We were supposed to get Black Widow. We barely got shit. And um, from most of the things we did get, we didn't, you know, they were either fucking Bad Boys for Life or Sonic the Hedgehog. That's the range. That is the range of quality we are dealing with here. And that isn't great. But um, one film I did enjoy were that I watched quite recently is um, the film Palm Springs with Andy Samberg. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that's one I would highly recommend to anybody watching. It's quite a strange one, but it's great. Like it's, um, there's not a lot I can say about it that won't give away some spoilers. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to say that the, the the tone of the comedy is very on point for like a Lonely Island film. Oh, has he got quite a heavy um, SNL cast on it? Or? Um, no, but it's, um, it's that sort of, do you know, do you remember with Hot Rod how... You could tell it was a Lonely Island production and yeah. even pop star, right? It's like the the dialogue and the 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 situational comedy is all very along those same lines of like Lonely Island wacky. And this falls in line with that, even though it has more ser- it has a more serious like tone, I'd say, in comparison to either of the other films. It's not like an outright comedy. It gets pretty strange and pretty um it gets pretty half at the times, like quite uh, earnest for a for a comedy like that. But it's okay. it's pretty great. Like I'd highly recommend uh, Palm Springs. Um, and then maybe if you watch it, we can do a, a full review on it. Maybe sounds but, good. We can do that next uh, episode. I'm down for that. I feel like this we should really touch on um, because we both. I know we both went to see this because we went to go see it together. Uh, the the My Hero Academia film that came out this year. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, because that was the last film we went to see the cinema together, and I thought that was pretty great. Uh, Very enjoyable. Was it called again? Heroes Rising? Heroes Rising? Yeah, Heroes Rising. Yeah. Uh, Enjoyable. Great animation. Soundtrack was solid. Yeah, we also did a review on this one back in in what, May-ish? March? No, it would have been February. February, I think. Jesus Christ, what happened to this year? Um, Yeah. So, Myra Academia, the, the recent film, are they making another one? Or... I believe so. It's in the works. They are making another film. What's strange about the films, right, is the films take place way further down the line compared to where the TV show is at that time. So, yeah. there's a few things that kind of spoil bits of the TV show. Like, yeah, um, he, was, he was using like his quirks, his quirk in like a certain way, which doesn't 
become explained like a few episodes down the line. Yeah, yeah. So what happens in the film specifically is Midoriya can shoot things from his hands. And I was like, when the fuck could he do that? And then it, they only go into that in like the season finale of uh, season four or whatever it was that we just watched. Because he, he, he uses it in the, the fight against the um, the thing, the gentleman dude. What's his name? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. I remember it's like someone in Barabarabra, whatever her name is. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, it says a lot about that arc. <laughs> but, I mean, it's an enjoyable film, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. No. There you go. That's a good summary. <laughs> That's a good summary of 2020 and the films that we had. Is most of them fall into that category for me of it was enjoyable for the time, but I'm not watching that again. Um. So, so yeah, they all, like I said, they are working on a new one, but I have no idea what kind of time frame we're looking at of when that's going to be released. Unfortunately, I imagine there's going to be a fair amount of delays to this one as well. And yeah. you know, as expected, there are delays this year because of the pandemic and because they know people won't be able to get into the cinemas. Um, there are a few films I think we should touch on, regardless of like the fact that we haven't watched them, but I I know came out this year and did really well or are notable enough. Um, the Invisible Man came out this year. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that was supposed to be really good. And um, that could be something that we also touch on later down the road. Uh, and also Tenet came out this year, and I think it's actually lost money. But um, that's because, they, yeah, as we said last week, they released it in the middle of the pandemic, expecting people to flock to cinemas. And then when they didn't, they obviously, yeah, it didn't make its money back. But maybe we can watch that at some point. It's a very long film. And as you know how we feel about long films, make it yes. shorter. <laughs> make it shorter. That should be our motto, shouldn't it? Yeah, I'm 100% on board with that being our motto. So let's get into the real meat and bones of this. Uh, is that the term? Yeah, let's just go with that. Get into the, let's get into the real meat of this podcast episode. So the best games of 2020. Um, this is probably what people really want us to hear us talk about because we know more about games. So... What would you say is your 2020 game of the year? That's the thing, because I've been very much doing lots of exam prep and lots of like preparation for like jobs and stuff. So I haven't been playing as much as many games as I would have actually liked to. Yeah. Um, I mean, the bulk of my time playing games was on Switch. I played Animal Crossing quite religiously for like the first few months. And that has fallen to a state of neglect, which I still feel slightly bad about. Yeah. Um, so that's one we will touch on later, I think, is um, like quite important. I think, instead of saying game of the year, let's just go through the ones that we've... So let's start with them. Animal Crossing uh, basically got everyone through the first part of lockdown, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, it was literally the only way that me and you were literally kind of having a chat also, because we were both meeting up on Animal Crossing Islands. Yeah, and it's almost like Animal Crossing was compensating for the fact that everyone lost their social lives at the same time because then we were all socializing on that. And it, it's like, I generally think it helped people cope, <laughs> whoever was playing it at that time. It honestly helped me cope. It I helped mean, me cope, yeah. It was a nice building <laughs> an ideal world. Like, I've got to admit, my, my character was wearing a mask. <laughs> and yeah. I guarantee you, if, if I go onto my game save now, my character would still be wearing his face mask. <laughs> but it's like the cultural impact of the Animal Crossing games, this is the biggest one. Like uh, the, the quality 
uh, compared to the other ones. I mean, I've not played the other ones. This is the first one I jumped in on. And I played I played a little bit of New Leaf and yeah. I did enjoy it. It was yeah. quite good. So for me, I bought this game when I first bought it. I bought it knowing that it's not my kind of game. Uh, but because I saw everyone else had it, I wanted it, which is terrible. <laughs> which is, you know, obviously is, is FOMO. But I saw you had it and I was like seeing everyone on the internet was posting things from it. I was like, I should probably get it for the sake of not being out of the loop, which is really bad. Like that's that's ultimate FOMO. But I mean, let's let's be honest. So this game literally became a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it really did. Exactly. I mean, to the point where to the point where Biden was using it in his presidential campaign, like people were trying to advertise on yeah. it. And, and people were like, people like like in people in a. Um, people in Hong Kong were prote- protesting about China on it. <laughs> like, it. It just became like such a like interlaced with our like everything really. It was quite interesting to see. And I think that community feeling, as you're saying, community feeling that everybody lost at the time, all of a sudden we've just got this new island that we can focus all of our time on. We don't have to worry because this was right at the beginning of lockdown mm-hmm. where we we got this game come out and all of a sudden we we had something to focus on to kind of get us, get help us get through. Um, in terms of the actual quality of the game, so this is like the cultural significance we've just talked about, but the actual quality of the game, I, I generally think is really good. Um, in terms of going from like point A to point Z of all the different things you do along the way, the little bit, the little achievements you get kind of like day in, day out, but also week in, week out is, it's, it's kind of like, the checklist the game is the best way to put it that sort yeah. of that sort of stimulation and satisfaction you get from ticking something off your checklist i mean it was so wholesome and it was so sweet and it was just a joy to play and just it's so visually beautiful hmm. and i really enjoyed the music as well i've got to say the music is great it's really relaxing and it's, it's pretty much sums up it sums up your time on that island really um, did you did you ever see the video they released on YouTube where they had the guys playing the theme tune, but they kind of just like did it in real life? So like, it's literally like a, it's pretty much like a Zoom call. We had all the different people playing different instruments, all, all coming together just to play the soundtrack. No, pretty cool. Hmm. I'd definitely check it out. It's quite it's quite sweet and quite funny. Just them playing all like the weird little kind of bongos and marimba and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that sounds really cool, and. In terms of like the actual games and mechanics, so this is the first one that introduced uh, fishing. Oh, no, it's, it's, this one was different, if I'm not mistaken. So this is the first one where you introduce crafting. I know that. Yeah, and um, that was like a large part of the re- replayability yeah. for me when I was New Leaf, New Leaf definitely had um, fishing as well, but this was the first one where it had like um, crafting. And I believe it was the first one where it kind of had the, um, your, your equipment would break. So you'd have to, uh, basically craft more. Mm, yeah. Cause obviously you place emphasis on the crafting mechanic, yeah. but that, and, and, and it but kind of brings you coming back constantly. Cause you're like, Oh, I could get some materials. It's the first time that you've got a game where you, you always have something to do. I think it's the best way to put it. It's busy work. Like, it's absolutely busy work. And that's what ultimately turned me off in the end. This is the reason why I don't play it now, because I I was playing it and I was, like, doing... I felt like I was doing chores. I mean, let's face it, like, I probably spent a good few hours weeding my entire island. That's the the thing, yeah. After I started doing that every single day or 
for me, it was going around the several rocks each day and getting the the different like ores. materials from that. Yeah, the different ores, and then cutting down the relevant trees and getting. For me, it was like farming money as well. Um, at first, it was great, but obviously, I think after after a certain amount of time, I just kind of wished we had a more efficient way to do certain things. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I'd, like you said, it would have been great if they'd kind of streamlined the processes once you kind of got further and further into the game, just made things a bit more simpler. Yeah. Would have made the game more enjoyable. But I, I just don't think they wanted to kind of detract from their, basically the idea of living on your own island and just trying to be self-sufficient. Yeah. That's fair enough. I think, yeah, Animal Crossing 20 was a, was a pretty big game for 2020. I think it's uh, right up there. Mm. Uh, I, I'm kind of surprised it didn't win like more awards for like during the game of the year and everything. Yeah, but there's a bias against these sorts of games when it comes to the game awards. Like, you know, you I don't think you'll very rarely see a, 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 what is ultimately a kids game win. I think you'll always go to like the more cinematic ones because like Last of Us Two, a lot of fans didn't really like it, but it won because it's like a cinematic masterpiece and and people are like oh the tone it takes and the the statement it makes but the thing is themes are only important to adults true and i don't know maybe that's the four is that you're only getting adults to to judge right over 18s because mm-hmm. we're over 18 and we play animal crossing but not many i doubt i doubt where like there are a lot of animal crossing fans across the world obviously but I doubt we're in the majority in terms of like the overall gamer population. You're probably all right on that aspect, I think. Yeah. Probably all right. I mean, I was looking, um, I saw, I just kind of saw a news article um, this morning and it was showing that on Amazon, the top 10 games on Amazon that have been sold in 2020, seven out of 10 of them were um, Nintendo games and number one was Animal Crossing, I think it was. Animal Crossing is the best, I think it's become the best-selling Switch game, or it's about, it will become the best-selling Switch game, which does a fuck ton, considering the great games are already on the Switch, like, to sell more than, like, Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey and Mario Kart, which gets bundled with it constantly, it <laughs> says a lot, and Pokemon especially. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're coming up against some absolute titans with that one. But, yeah, uh, yeah I think Animal Crossing 2020, great one. So, obviously, if you haven't played it yet, then what the fuck have you been doing for the last year? But <laughs> Yeah, definitely give it a go, but it's probably not something you're going to be playing for in the long term. Mm-hmm. But then again, like these days, what games do you really play in the long term? Like, once you get so far, you are eventually going to move on to the next, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. But with this, you, sli- you just feel slightly bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second game that, from, from that period, I'm just going to go through all the games that came out in 2020 that I played in lockdown. And I think the second notable release that I played from 2020, and I think one of the most enjoyable ones for me, were Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you haven't played this one yet, because uh, you only took mm-hmm. PlayStation. But Final Fantasy VII Remake is really fucking good. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you can tell by me speaking about Final Fantasy VII a fuck ton in my previous episodes that... I really like this game. The original uh, is, is an important game. That's like, an, that's like an understatement of the year. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. I really like Final Fantasy VII. I like most Final Fantasy games that I've played, but VII specifically is like a special one. And it is, it is a special to a lot of people. That's why it's got this like huge 
cultural significance. And especially for the time, um, it was like one of the defining games of the PS1 and PlayStation in general, because it was the first time that a Final Fantasy game was a normal Nintendo console. And they made the most of the fact that it was moved on to a, a CD format because they could now put on FMVs and, and basically little movies. And Square obviously were like, yeah, well, we're going to do that. And everything became polygonal and um, yeah, huge game for back in the day. And and it's not just because of how good it was back then, but the quality holds up. Now, yeah, and I think in my opinion, it's easier for a 10-based RPG to hold up than like say an action RPG because mm-hmm. the mechanics are you're just sat there and you're most of the time you're in a menu is is the best way to sum it up because obviously whether you're playing Final Fantasy 7 or Dragon Quest 11 or um or or most of these sorts of games um you you're just kind of sat there on in a menu and selecting things from a menu but with um with with seven specifically seven specifically it's like it makes sense that it was as culturally significant as it was for at the time so to get a remake of it obviously it's got a pretty high bar to hit um so what they did with this is they they sort of took the mechanics of final fantasy 15 which are um it's a, more like a hack and slash rpg if that makes sense and they put it into this like linear linear format of going from area to area and and doing side quests and it's a kind of standard for games of this of the modern times alongside some really really nice looking graphics and uh, great voice acting I mean, I, i've got to say like visually it looked amazing like i've been like watching some of the cutscenes and goddamn <laughs> Well, this is the thing. Like, I was playing on the base PS4, and I was like astounded. So, I imagine playing on the PS5 is going to be a whole new experience, and I definitely will play it again on the PS5 because it's it was a fun time. I mean, it's definitely something I'm gonna eventually have to get into myself because it looked amazing, fantastic reviews, won a fair few awards, and the soundtrack. Oh my god, the soundtrack! Oh god, it's mostly remixes of the original game. But what's interesting is they um. They made the composition sound like they could fit back in that game, mm-hmm. and that's that's the best because seven. That's the thing. That's the thing of beauty in itself, I think. Yeah, it's like I, I bought the edition on. Um, I bought the, this fucking DLC which has the soundtrack in it. Nice. And because I was just like, I need to own these songs somehow. <laughs> that's really sweet. It's, it's it's good that was an option. Like yeah. they, they know they they know their fan base well. Absolutely, and. I just think, you know, the, the giant, enormous shoes that I had to fill being a remake of, of one of the most iconic games of all time, um, it did a fairly good job. So the combat's fun. Um, it went from being a turn-based RPG to like a, an action RPG, but you're, you're hitting a lot of the same like plot beats as you would in the, in the, in the original. The thing is that this game, um, they, they turned what is like a, a 10-hour section of a of a the game originally into a 14 hour game in itself that's that's great i mean yeah because the whole thing takes place in midgar which is yeah. um the just the beginning area of final fantasy 7 so what i expect is they're going to have the trilogy of some sort but, i mean like as long as it doesn't come tedious and from what i've seen it sounds like they've planned it out and thought it through really well 
Yeah, and which surprises me because the the person who's doing it is the director of Kingdom Hearts, and that's certainly not something which is planned out perfectly well. Even as much as I love that series, it's fucking bonkers in terms of its plots. Um, but but yeah, no, absolutely. If you haven't played Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII remake, but yet then you and you like the original, then you should definitely play this game. Um, it's it's different enough that you could jump into this without having played the original and it's like you don't need to have you could play this and not play the original and it would be perfectly fine you'd miss a few like for me seeing certain things get recreated from like these very basic ass polygons into like this fucking sprawling giant beautiful world was 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 amazing but it's also not something which is exclusive to me but it's nicer because that's probably something enough to give you probably like goosebumps, goosebumps about it. And yeah, the first time I stepped out into Midgar, I was like, "Holy shit, this looks amazing!" Mm. And and yeah, they recreated like the opening cutscene and stuff. And yeah, it was great, absolutely, hundred percent would recommend it. Um, it's it's what been nearly half a year, so it'll be price dropped as well. So yeah, give it a go. Um, the next game we're going to talk about is. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, which this is another one. So, yeah, as we were saying earlier, 2020 was a bit of a miserable year, but in terms of gaming, like, this year fucking knocked it out of the park. Like, we've got some quality titles in 2020, and that is something to be grateful for. (laughs) Crash Bandicoot 4, um, I don't know if I've talked about this enough, but Crash Bandicoot is easily, like, one of my favorite series of all time. Um, I was a PlayStation kid. PS1 was the first console I ever had. And uh, one of the first games I ever had was Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. And I loved it. And I love Crash Team Racing 2. And um, I later went on to play the other games. And obviously the Insane Trilogy came out a couple of years ago. And that was fantastic. And those are like the de facto way to play those games now. And yeah, man, like I was excited for this game. I was really excited for Crash Bandicoot 4 because it was like, holy shit, they're making a sequel to this game like 20, 22 years after the last one. <laughs> I mean, did it really hold up? Like, from what I saw, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. It's probably the best Crash Bandicoot game. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, mean, like, the only Crash Bandicoot (laughs) game I played was Wrath of Cortex. Which is the worst. It is widely regarded as as the absolute bottom of the barrel. I did not enjoy that at all. That game was frustrating. (laughs) And I think I completed it, but I did not enjoy that at all. Man, I I remember when I first got a PS2 and I was so excited and I got a PS2 and the first two games I bought were Crash Bandicoot 4, um, Crash Bandicoot, Wrath of Cortex and Spyro Enter the Dragonfly, both of which were rushed out. They were both absolutely buggy as hell and had obnoxious load times and it's like, God, is this the future? This is terrible. This is absolutely horrible. I remember being so frustrated as a child because the load times would be like, each cuts each load time would be like a minute and it was mm-hmm. fucking horrible and it was yeah it was so annoying i mean like he, you'd try to enter the level and you'd be hit with like a two minute load time yeah it, and was, it was just like around every corner it's just an, an ending so back to the good game um so crash 4 basically takes a formula established and in, in crash bandicoot one two and and sort of in three and really, really flushes us out. So the levels are like significantly longer okay. uh, than they were in the older games, which I guess to some might be a bit of um, 
might be a negative in some in a sense, but I thought I thought they offer enough variety that they were challenging but really fun throughout. There wasn't like was a was like this level is dragging. Mm-hmm. Um, the main gimmick of this game is that you have four elemental masks. Now you might be thinking, huh, that was a thing from Wrath of Cortex. That's not a good thing, but Instead, this time they're all um, they're all on your team, and essentially one's like the one one mask when you wear it, the game becomes Mighty Switch Force, which I don't know if you ever played Mighty Switch Force, but basically it's uh, it's a platform game, and uh, every time you press a button, um, it switches, it switches reality. So things yeah. that were it's like you get some things which are in one reality and some things which are in, in the other reality, and you have to like swap between them as you jump between them. It's quite enjoyable. It's it's great. It's disorienting as disorientating as fuck for me, but it's really good. Um, the second mask is a it's an infinite spin, that's just crazy and eats up everything and lets you glide. But it's also it's also very hard to control. Um, the third mask lets you pause time or slow it slow it all the way down for like five seconds, and it makes the that sounds really cool. Is, is probably the best mask. And um, the final mask is the anti-gravity one, the one where when you press the button, it switches gravity and you go flying to this and everything just swaps and it's fucking disorientating as well. But it's great. The whole game is really good as a whole. It's like 38 levels in comparison to like the usual 25. And uh, the cutscenes are beautiful. It's really well done. Toys for Bob, the people who made the Spyro Reignited trilogy, um, did this one. And yeah, you can tell it shows that they know what they're doing when it comes to CG animation because the game is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I've got to say like the use of the mask sounds really interesting. Can you use them interchangeably or for set levels are you only... Um able to use these ma- a certain mask um it's as you get them so the first like set it's after you get them then they start becoming more and more interchangeable until the end where it becomes incredibly demanding because you have to switch from one to the other in the brink of a second and it it's like the final level um that because it has a death count the final level i died 60 times but it, it was that difficult cortex castle i died 60 times because the final stretch of the game was that difficult but it was crazy because you're switching from like literally on split second, you're switching from one mask to the other and having to get used to the other mask gimmicks in time to be able to make like, so Crash 4 is the most difficult out of all of the games, I think, uh, even including Crash 1, which was notoriously hard. Um, one thing about Crash 4 though, is that they made the game impossible to 100%, like fucking impossible to 100%. Um, so I'm never gonna bother. I think I can safely say. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to know when to cut your losses and just leave the game at the point where you know that was enjoyable. I'll come back to that, but let's not go completionist. Well, but so to to put it into perspective, um, Crash Bandicoot games generally have like twenty five levels, so twenty five crystals, and then twenty five gems, which are which you get for breaking all of the boxes in each of the levels. Um, and then they'll have like colored gems, which you get for specific things. There's normally only like like six of them in 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 a game, and then you have all the time relics, which are, you get for time for time trialing each of the levels, and you get like gold, silver, and platinum relics. Um, the the big thing about Crash Four, so normally that's what 25, 25 gems per game. Crash Four has four hundred and fifty. You do, yeah. you do not have enough hours in the day to do something like that. Yeah, so so each level has like six gems that you can collect. Um, and 
they're all for different, not different things. Three of them are for like getting a certain number of Wampa fruit. One of them is for breaking every box, which is also fucking impossible in this game now. Um, so in the old games, there was like, what, 25, sometimes up to like 80 boxes on a really big level. Some some of these levels have like 500 boxes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Wow. And um, and then the final final gem, final two, one's hidden, uh, a hidden gem in every single level. And then the last one is for dying less than three times, which, believe me, isn't something you're going to be doing because some of these level levels are fucking impossible. Yeah, but I say you're going to have like the dexterity and the timing of like a god to pull something like some kind of miracle like that. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get it done. Like I've seen people who talked about doing 100% and they were just like, it's not worth doing, don't do it. It's honestly not worth doing, which is sad because I think part of the enjoyment of the older games for me is definitely going back in and doing the the extra stuff it makes the game feel more fulfilling yeah i mean you don't want to make it just so unattainable that it just becomes frustrating and you start hating the game that's the thing it's making it so unattainable that it just kind of becomes tedious and tedium isn't good for a video game no it's definitely not it's definitely not um, you say crash Four going level to level is one of the best platformers i've ever played which is great to be able to say because i think as, as a worthy successor to one of my favorite games of all time, Crash 3, it's great. Um, and, and yeah, if you haven't already played it, I highly recommend it. And again, you don't need to be a Crash fan. You can plan to play this. You just have to just have a PlayStation. And be, I, I say it's worth it for the cutscenes. Some of the cutscenes are fucking hilarious. Um, I mean, like, if, you, if you're into, like, solid platforming, it's probably just worth a try. It's worth a try. And the cutscenes are, they have comedic timing. They're funny is the thing. That's cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, this next one, I think, would be a good one for us to talk about because we both played it. Um, so Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, the introduction to the PS5 for myself and I think for you as well. Yes, indeed. And I, I, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth bringing up again because like, this game is fantastic for what feels like um, an, an in-between title, if you know what I mean. I'd say yeah, it's really enjoyable, and it's a great introduction to the <clears throat> to the PS5. Works really well, gotta say. Yeah, it's um, it doesn't feel like a tech demo. It feels like it's, it feels more like DLC of the first game, if I'm being honest. But it's it, because the first game was so good, I don't mind. It feels like a DL, DLC campaign to the first game, but um, I'd say overall, like the. The, the game's fantastic, and if if you have a PS5, it's worth getting. If you don't, maybe wait until it's super cheap. But but it's uh, well, I mean, we we touched up on it loads in our first episode back, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but I thought it was worth bringing up. That's definitely in my top ten of this year for gaming. Um, yeah, I'd say so as well. The the next one I want to bring up, which is specifically from last uh, from from this last year, is uh, Last of Us Two which um, I've also talked about a few times over the last few weeks. And again, um, this is a game which won a fuck ton of awards. It's uh, it's quite the experience, I'd say. I'd say gameplay-wise, it's better than the first, but story-wise, it's weaker. That is a weird thing to say about a video game because it does kind of make it lesser, if that makes sense. Because the thing about these Last of Us games is that they're not amazing with gameplay, but the story is so good, it makes you want to carry on. And it's like when the emphasis is on the story, if the story isn't particularly great, then that's kind of half of the enjoyment. Yeah, that's true. But um, how long was that game? How long? 
That game was also slightly too long in my opinion, but I also thought the first one was too long. So maybe it's just me. But the first one, I've, I think we said this a few weeks ago, the first one's like 12 to 15 hours. Um, this one was 25. And wow. for the type of gameplay it offers, I don't think it needs to be that long. Um, to be honest with you, I thought like half of the game could have been cut. <laughs> again, again, very fitting in our motto of please make shorter, please. That's exactly what I was saying. Is, uh, yeah, please make shorter, please would be a great way for the Naughty Dog to learn from this, but I don't think they will. I think they'll just carry on making more cinematic games. Um, Uncharted wasn't that long, and I don't know why this one felt like it needed to be longer. I get it's a more serious game, but there were points even in the narrative where I was like, this doesn't need to be it. You know when they're fleshing out characters that you just don't give a fuck about? And you don't feel like you should give, like they haven't deserved your care, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it, it's, it's good. I'd still say Last of Us 2 was a fun time. It was just one that I was, I was like kind of happy to be done with once I was done. How do you think it stands up against the first? It doesn't really, in my doesn't. opinion. No, the first one's got this like very specific charm to it because of um, the dynamic between the two characters, Joel and Ellie. And I think because that was taken away for the second, you lose a lot of that charm. Um, Loses that charm, that kind of accessibility of the characters and everything. Yeah, you you lose half of that pairing. And it's like Ellie by herself is, uh, you know, and she's also an adult. It's a very different kind of... uh, Story. They 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 tried to do. They tried to make a message with this game. Uh, you can one hundred percent see that they tried to make a message with this game, and at times it feels a little bit heavy-handed. So to to put it into the most basic fucking terms, the message of this game is that violence is an endless cycle, cycle, and cycle. And and the thing is that the gameplay contradicts this narrative because the gameplay gives you all these like crazy options on how to kill people and then the narrative is telling you that violence is bad and it just doesn't really it doesn't really make sense it doesn't really fit no it doesn't really fit i I just one thing and i felt like this when we played undertale one thing is i'm just sick of being preached to in games Mm -hmm. like i get it when you're doing it from a movie because your movie is supposed to have a message and stuff but with video games i just these are the only places where it's acceptable to be violent. So just let players be like, just let them enjoy it. Is what I'm trying to say. Like I'm not going to yeah, go I mean, like, watching wars. <laughs> I mean, like let's face it. For a lot of people, especially last year, game gaming is a short. It's a form of escapism. Exactly, and the world and is violent. You, you, you go, you go there to like forget, lose yourself in the moment, really enjoy yourself. Yeah, be thrilled and yeah, be wild. You don't want to be like preached up. Let's face no. it. No, exactly. And I don't know if it's just me, but I find it is very easy for these sorts of games to like patronize me. Mm. And I don't know if that's me thinking of myself as like intelligent or something, but it's just, you know, when you're like, yeah, I fucking get it. I get it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to keep telling me this. That's how I felt when I was playing the game. And it's a sad feeling because the game in itself is like a bit of a, it's a work of art. It's great. And it's fun, but I don't know. I think it turned off a lot of people because of it. Mm, that's, a, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it was so, like, hotly anticipated. Like, people are really looking forward to this one. Some people have Last of Us as, like, their favorite game of all time. 
Really? A lot of people. I, I have I have heard that. And mm. I've seen people really like really passionately blog about it as well. So I'm mm. not surprised. And whilst I prefer Uncharted, um, I, I really like the first one. I, but yeah, overall, I, I prefer the Uncharted series. The gameplay is similar to both of them, but it's just Uncharted as a, as a, as like a more frantic and a bit more, it's a very light in tone. And I think it's just where my personality fits a lot better. I'm not great with like serious things. Um, but no, I think I think it was okay. It was good enough. It's not a game I ever want to play again. Whereas the first one I can see myself going back to um this this one no this one I'm, I'm done like i don't want to play this game ever again um it's oh, a shame it's a shame but it's also to be expected when it comes to narrative heavy games is once you've lived through the narrative when the focus is a story once you've lived through that story a lot of the appeal goes away in my opinion yes yeah okay. I, I see i see what you mean on that point I yeah say. And that's fair enough, in a sense, because the the purpose is the narrative, and the get the devs intended it for the for it to be that way. So it's like fair enough, you know, fair enough that you um you go through it once and you're like, yeah, I'm done, I'm burnt out, I'm done. Um, the final the final game from this year, uh, that that I played and I thought was worth mentioning, even though it's going to be quite a short one. Um, SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom remake. <laughs> That's a mouthful in itself, isn't it? It is. I just had to take a breath after I said that. So the the Battleful Bikini Bottom remake uh, is a remake of uh, ba- <laughs> SpongeBob Battleful Bikini Bottom, which came out on the the, the PS2 generation of consoles. Um, that is a very weirdly highly regarded game by the community of gamers who have played it. Um, I think it was just like flat out enjoyable. That's it's like. Um, so the the, the the idea behind it is that people are like, it bucked the trend of like terrible license games. Mm. And they actually made like a really solid 3D platformer out of um, out of SpongeBob. And, you know, you're living in the world of SpongeBob. And, and back in the like early 2000s, that's when SpongeBob was at its stride. And uh, like, uh, that's back, obviously that was a child back then. That's back when I was a fan. So that game was pretty great. Um, I played the remake out of like sheer curiosity, to be honest with you. Like I bought it because it was twenty pounds, and I was like, I may as well. I have nothing else to do. We're in lockdown. Um, if it was any other year, I probably wouldn't have bothered. But because it was it was lockdown year, I was like, yeah, sure, another thing to That's do. True. Yeah, and I don't regret my time. I thought it was a fun game. Uh, it, it was a bit fucking buggy at times, but it is kind of to be expected when things are made by THQ. Um, but. Yeah, overall, it does what a remake needs to do in the bare minimum sense. It like made everything look nicer. It, it what was really fucking jarring is they kept the original sound clips from the from the original game, so all the voice acting is exactly the same. That's really weird. That's like and, something you'd think they just like revamp and redo and re-record. And like Mr. Krabs doesn't sound anything like Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs and, and, and Mermaid Man um, sound nothing like like because in the original game they didn't get they didn't get Clancy Brown to do Mr. Krabs, and he sounds so weird like it's a really bad impression. I, let me just try and see if I can find a, a, a clip from it. It's, I mean, because I never really watched a lot of SpongeBob, but like I've got like a firm kind of grasp in my mind how the characters are sound. So I'm not sure how much I'm gonna kind of be able to critically appraise this soundbite but we'll give it a go um no. <laughs> it's 
it sounds like someone just doing a really bad pirate impression. Um, uh, do you know what? I'm not going to be able to find like just some, a solitary clip. Yeah, YouTube it when you get the chance because it's very strange. Um, okay, how about you? Was there anything else from 2020 that you played that's actually from 2020? We move on to the next part of the... I. Well, I played... <clears throat> The Super Mario 3D All-Stars came out, but I played one level of the um, the Mario Galaxy world. I'd even get to the um, the spaceship thing. I forgot what it's called. The Rosalina's um, Rosalina Observatory. Yeah, I didn't even get to the observatory. I just literally played a little bit and put it down. I've not touched it since. I played through basically all of Galaxy. Um, Again? Yeah, I know. I played through all the Galaxy last year, and I thought, oh, I have it on Switch now. I may as well play through it all. It's so much better with a Pro Controller, man. Like, way better. It's like I feel completely in control of the characters, a character finally. Because um, I remember when I first played it on the Wii, like, I kept doing really stupid shit, like walking mm. off the edge of platforms and stuff. I never felt like I was comfortable. And I got used to it. It definitely works a lot better with the uh, Pro Controller, like you said. Yeah, it just feel, feels a lot more natural and the control is there it works and it's like you finally have the spin map to a button thank god you're not really? like moving your hand it's, it's brilliant I've, I've really got to appreciate the fact that they really did map it out for the controller the joy cons and other methods as well that was cool and I've got to appreciate that you do one, th- one thing I was kind of surprised by about the, the 3D All-Stars though it was like I felt like just uprezzing the first two games to, to kind of HD. It felt a bit lazy considering they're then charging like full price for these games. Yeah, but we still bought it. We still bought it because we're idiots and they made it limited. So first of all, so they made it a limited release for some fucking reason. And I think it was to artificially drive up demand and that sucks. I think that very much was the case. It's basically just to artificially drive the demand, ensure people actually would buy it. Hmm. Which I mean, sucks. like, it's a really I mean, like, excellent game now, but that's probably because they made it. The people were like, "Oh, yeah, I'll get to it." And they're like, "You have to buy it now, otherwise, it's gonna, it's gonna disappear forever." And it's like, "Oh shit, I need these games." <laughs> oh, Nintendo really does treat us like shit. <laughs> they do, yeah, they do. And with, I mean, it, it is the second best-selling game on Amazon. That's, that's exactly what I mean. Is so. One thing I was looking forward to finally really getting around to Mario 64, but I was like, man, this game controls like shit. (laughs) It really goes to show how far we come when I can't regress back to a control like that. No, oh my God. But apparently it's because it wasn't built for like a fluid joystick. Yeah, it wasn't. And it's like, you play it with the N64 controller, it's um, the rigidity of the N64 analog stick suits it a lot better. And... Whereas, like on a on a pro controller, it's just like you have too many movement options, and it just doesn't feel right. Because you, the my my incorrect way of playing it was thinking, okay, cool. So I'll just jump in and I'll start controlling it like how I control Odyssey, and that was not a good idea. Because I I was like, never no, control. No, you you can't treat it like that. Unfortunately, it's just a totally different beast. <laughs> What about Sunshine? Did you play much Sunshine? I, I played a bit of Sunshine and I got lost and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> so, yeah, I was playing Sunshine initially on the Wii, the GameCube version, and I couldn't get into it. So I didn't want to try again. You didn't. I I, I think I did like the first couple of levels and then I, I just, 
I don't know, man. I it's one of those games that I was really looking forward to when I was a little when I was a kid and I used to see people play and I was like, man, this game looks so cool. But as an adult yeah, I, I, I remember I remember sitting and watching the adverts on TV going, Man, I really want a GameCube. This looks fucking awesome. The GameCube was so appealing to me as a kid. And so yeah. many of these games, now that I can finally play them, I just don't have that same sense of wonder. I think like Pokemon Coliseum is another example of that. It's like, oh man, that looks so cool when I was a kid, and now it's like, I'm not playing this game. So, so, so fucking yeah, pretty much. And if that isn't growth, I don't know what is. I know, right? But yeah, Super Mario Sunshine. I got like a couple of levels in. I might get back to it later, but I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sold on it. Um, Galaxy is still Galaxy. Is still I still really like it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm like on seventy stars or so. So I think that says enough. Like I, I still really like Galaxy, but I, st- I don't think any of them are as good as Odyssey, in my opinion. <laughs> no, it doesn't really hold a candle to Odyssey. Odyssey was fantastic in its own way. Odyssey was the first time um, I played a, like a, a 3D Mario game, and back when I got, it, I was so excited, and like I actually, it actually lived up to the hype for me. It really did, didn't it? It really yeah. did. It was fantastic to play through. Did you know you can actually have multiple save files on Odyssey? It's just you have to finagle it because um, I remember you saying that you restarted your save file and I, I wanted to do that after I bought actually bought the game for myself because the save file I have was the one when I was borrowing it from you and I was like on 900 and something stars and um, moon, sorry. And I looked online, I was like, can you actually have multiple save files? And it turns out that if you go, if you like work through a few of the menus, you can have five save files. <laughs> They just they don't make that? it. Why would they, they make that so difficult? I don't know. The fact that I had to look it up isn't a good. You know, in Galaxy, you have the icons and like the faces. Yeah, yeah, the, the spinning heads. Yeah. yeah, much better way of doing it. Much oh, better. Doubt. They 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 messed that up quite badly. Um, but yeah, should we have you have you got anything else in terms of twenty twenty? I think you might you might agree with something I'm about to say, um, and you can probably elaborate on it. But um, so in terms of games from 2020 that I have like I haven't actually finished, but I'm really enjoying while I'm playing, um, I've got a couple. Uh, the main main ones being uh, Hyrule Warriors. And with Hyrule Warriors, what? So obviously you're going to know a bit more about this having finished a game. Actually, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So far, uh, I, so when this first came out, when this first came out in terms of the Nintendo Direct for Hyrule Warriors, I was like, oh. Uh, it's, it's a Musu game, and I, I never played the first Hyrule Warriors. I haven't played... This is my first time playing one of the Dynasty Warriors games. And um, back when they announced it, I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm interested in seeing what they do with the story because I really like Breath of the Wild story. But I wasn't like 100% sold on the gameplay. I am fucking addicted to this game. It is so addictive. It's just so accessible as well, and it's so easy to get into. I've got to say, it's super enjoyable. I think it helps that it picks up the story quite well. Mm. I think that's probably one of the main selling points for the actual game. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's got the Breath of the Wild art style just really kind of boosts what they were working with from the original Hyrule Warriors. Really kind of helps it out as well. They but, yeah. build in like a lot of the Breath of the Wild mechanics, don't they, in the fighting? And it's like they get really creative with it. Yeah, they do. And their creativity with it, it really improves the um, the combat, I've got to say. It's a lot more fast-paced. Um, um, you can do flurry rushes, which is fantastic, but um, yeah. The thing, the thing about flurry rushes is like in the original, right, 
in the original, flow rotations are pretty easy to pull off. In this, they are fucking impossible. I, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, like you said, it's, you, you could pretty much just, pretty much, well, you could basically just spam them in Breath of the Wild, couldn't you? Yeah. But with this, the, the, um, the window to work in is a lot smaller and it is noticeable because you pretty much, fa- it's like a, it's almost like a 50% um, try every single time you go into it, but yeah. it doesn't really distract uh, distract from the overall fun of the game. I'm really, really enjoying the story. Um, I loved what they did with the enemies. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say anything further on that one because I don't want to ruin it for you. Okay. But they do certain things with the enemies that you kind of actually wish they brought forward into Breath of the Wild. Okay. And it makes things a little more difficult. Um, you mean like, to taking a wild guess, do you mean something like how the mo- you get like not just the moblins but the fire moblins and the electric moblins? Precisely. I wasn't yeah. entirely sure if you got to that point <laughs> yet, but um, I loved the uh, moblins with elemental um, energies. I they yeah, great idea. Up the difficulty a little bit, made it yeah. really enjoyable, and yeah, I loved that idea. I'm sick of Daruk saying like, "Oh, it's too hot." I, I'm like, yeah, I've been able to fireball too often by with Daruk in that one specific his his stage. Uh, everything has fire, and every time you get hit, he goes, "Oh, it's too hot." <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's fantastic to like go on. Actually, yeah. What do you think of the voice acting? I think it's about the same as Breath of the Wild, in the sense that some of it's really good and some of it is. F- like okay, so specifically, really good. specifically really I still really don't like Zelda's voice. I think she's so annoying. <laughs> it doesn't fit. No, it doesn't. She's too like. Um, she's, <laughs> she's she's too, oh no! What do we do? It's like the fake. It's like a fake English accent, but also trying really hard to be someone posh when they're not posh, and it comes across. It comes across as like. Uh, that they're trying to be a little bit pretentious even though i'm sure the voice actress is great it's just yeah i do not like i think being british makes you hate her more that's the thing yeah i mean it's like i generally it's like, like it, it's, it was like it's like in it's like in dragon quest when all the characters speak with cockney accents oh yeah yeah in, in your little village and you're like oh my god this place needs to be exterminated off the map <laughs> And then it actually does happen. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Gemma's speaking with like the Cornwall accents, and I'm like, oh, Gemma, why, why, why? why? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, don't you and Gemma make such a cute couple? I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like you said, um, have the voice acting. It just it doesn't quite fit. But yeah. I, I love I love the Legend of Zelda series so much. I'm willing to like look past it. What was you saying about Mr. Uh, I was going to say Mr. Worm's <laughs> voice, King Worm's voice. <laughs> King Worm, um, you know, in the trailer, because I haven't actually met him in game yet, but in the tra- I think I actually have actually, and he's in the very beginning, isn't he? Um, King, because I played the demo so long ago, and I I, ca- I carried on obviously from where my save was in the demo. Hmm. Um, but King Worm in in um, in the trailer, I remember saying to you at the time, I was like, it sounds like a parody, like it sounds like a fan dub. Yeah, it does. And, and you've sent me so many videos of really bad Dynasty Warriors <laughs> voice, voiceovers. Yeah. And that, that really did, it's hilarious to watch, but oh my God, did it make me worry about buying this game. I was worried <laughs> I was going to like open myself up to some really god-awful voice acting. 
I think in it could have been, it could have been worse. I, I think it, it, it really right. speaks volumes about how much I love this series that I'm willing to look past it. <laughs> but as I said, I think in Dynasty Warriors, it's a part of like the cheese. Like, the game is supposed to be is like it's a bit cheesy as well. Whereas yeah. this game is uh, taking itself more seriously. It's like you know with the first Hyrule Warriors, and I know I've not played it, but I've seen enough of it to know that you see a lot of like revealing. You see way more fan servicey characters than you ever have in Breath of in in, in the Zelda series. Yeah, there's like two hundred percent more skin shown. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I think it might just be the Omega Force are just more like playful with how they develop these sorts of games. But Definitely. no, I'm really enjoying my time with it so far. I think like the combat is it's. It's fun. It reminds me, as I say, a lot of like the crowd controlling in Kingdom Hearts, where like you're just switching yeah. up your style and doing shit to crowd control, and it's it's, it's just never ending. But it's so much fun. Um, I it's fun with like specific characters. Daruk is really fucking slow, so I don't use him that much. Like he's just, he just he just moves around too slowly. You know, yeah, he does a lot of damage, but it's you know because the maps are big and you have to navigate and walk from one area to the other. He's just too slow. He rolls, but he rolls slow. <laughs> But there's one aspect from Hyrule Warriors I did miss. So, of course, in this one, you've got the Sheikah Slate, um, to, and you can use the runes. But in the um, Hyrule Warriors, you had a variety of items. So you had, of course, the bow, the, um, the bombs. You also had an ocarina, and you could u- actually use the ocarina mm-hmm. to teleport around the map. Oh, man, that's so useful. Which was so, so useful. And I did really miss that in this because some of those maps are quite large and you are running from place to place mm. um so something like that would have been a welcomed addition i think yeah. um i wouldn't be surprised if it becomes deal deal something like that become dlc to be honest i'd be pretty pissed off if something like that became dlc considering it should be a part of the core game it's like when breath I mean, of the wild had dlc and introduced the fucking horse whistle thing which spawns it anywhere and it's like this should have been part of the main game because the horse, yeah. I never used my horse because it was always like too far away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, also the travel medallion introduced in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, super useful item, but that would have been fantastic to be in the actual main game. What's the um, travel medallion that like? Yeah, it, it's it's funny because they they introduced the horse with whistle thing, and then immediately make it obsolete with more DLC that yeah it makes you it makes it even easier to travel. I mean, it was cool having it a part of like the horse uh, armor, mm. um, but yeah, generally the story of um, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity, I really did enjoy. It's such, it's basically just pure like fan service. It's it's kind of everything the story you wanted Breath of the Wild to be, basically. Yeah, well, and they they I mean, did their best to really flesh out the characters as well, which I quite appreciated. Yeah. It's almost like the the extra reasons to give a shit about those characters when you're playing Breath of the Wild. When you're playing Breath of the Wild, it's like you're told how great these heroes are. Hmm. But the only time you really see them is when they're ghosts. And it's yeah, like, so you don't have any real attachment to them. You don't have any attachment to them. Even with the like made the the DLC kind of came made that a little bit easier and like came a long way to make them hmm. a bit more appealing. But even yeah. then, I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, Ravali's a dick and Mifa likes you, but I don't really care. And yeah. then uh, obviously this game is like, oh, now I should have cared. <laughs> but, but 
with um with this game i'm noticing straight away with the story and this is very obvious but straight away you can tell like the story is much lighter hearted in in tone in the interactions people have there's not as much the breath of the wild reminds me a lot of like final fantasy 10 in terms of its tone in the sense that there's just like every interaction is is got the subtext of dread yeah like the world is really desolate like you know what's coming and you know what quite possibly could happen yeah it's like the apocalypse has already happened and everyone's sad and you can tell that all the time whereas this this game is like "Eh, you know what there's a war but at least we're here to have fun as well (laughs) do you know that reminds me of it's like re-watching the anime for meta alchemist brotherhood Mm. it's really great to re-watch and i got by god i've watched it so many times but getting through the Shao Tucker episode when he um, basically makes a chimera hybrid of his daughter and dog, yeah. getting through, knowing how to get through that is just mm-hmm. such an emotional task. And I don't think I'm strong enough to ever do that again. <laughs> That's for me, for me in that series, I think because I saw that episode coming, it wasn't that big. Well, it was like, it was, it was a lot, but for me, I was just kind of like, yeah, I knew that was coming. For me, it was the episode before um, with the lady who's trying to bring back her husband. God, that was also hot wrenching. Uh, like, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is killing, killing yeah. me. Um, but yeah, the Hyrule Warriors, great. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to finishing it, and maybe we can. Well, I mean, we've already gone into pretty much a lot of depth for it, but maybe we can do like a full review of the story once it's once. Been, that'd be amazing. So I would love to hear your thoughts about how the story progresses and yeah. what what you think it brings to the actual series and where they could go next. Yeah, absolutely. We can do like a full Zelda episode. Um, Okay, and... Yes, please. That is, like, 100% something I would be, like, invested in. <laughs> um, the other game I wanted to talk about, so in terms of things I've started to play, which I haven't obviously gotten all the way through, but I think worth tell- talking about and is a part of 2020, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. So, obviously, you've you've got this as well, um, even though you haven't started playing it, but Ghost of Tsushima is, like, yeah, from, like, the three or four hours I've played of it, this game is amazing. And I think you'll also really, really like it. I don't know how you'll feel about it after you played Sekiro, just because it's like more of the same aesthetic. But I mean, it's it's a it's an aesthetic I really appreciate and love because there's so yeah. much beauty behind it. And I think seeing that part of history is so fucking cool and so interesting. Hmm. Um, I just can't wait till I can get a new TV, which actually is 4K, so I can really appreciate all these graphics and everything. And you really will. Like, um, so for people who don't know, the um, PS5 upgrade. So on the original, on the original PS4 version, um, if you were playing it on a PS4 Pro, you could choose two modes. You can choose mm-hmm. fidelity or performance, much like a lot of the games uh, at that time. Even God of War has it, etc. So performance means that there's a sacrifice of visuals, but for a higher frame rate. And fidelity is that the visuals are nicer. Um, with Ghost of Tsushima, if you play it on the PS5, you effectively get a combination of both. You get the higher fidelity visuals as well as the 60 frames per second frame rates. And my fucking God, it's beautiful. My, my, it is so, what a time to be alive. That's amazing. It, it's amazing. It's weird though, because they still have in the settings, they still have a choice between high fidelity and, and performance. And it doesn't like there's no point of changing it to performance because it's exactly the same. But yeah, in terms of in terms of um like beauty like this is the tip top of the playstation 4 man in in terms of the 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 just overall aesthetic but also the the quality of visual that you're seeing um 
in terms of the story, obviously I'm not going to spoil anything because I haven't myself gotten far enough to get spoilers, but it's very sort of typical samurai revenge story. I think the protagonist is quite likable. Um, and I, it's one of those times where they gave me the option, one of the few times, but they gave me the option between English and Japanese and I chose English because I was like, I'd rather look at the pictures than read. <laughs> very, very much my, my attitude when I was watching Fooly Cooly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much the road I will probably end up going down as well. I mean, as long as they're not giving fucking British accents, I'm happy <laughs> to. <laughs> oh god that would, be, that would actually be kind of hilarious and i kind of do want to see that now okay. but um yeah how, how are you getting on um gameplay wise what's the uh, combat like so the combat combat is quite interesting um it's it's kind of pretty much as i expected so you you're you're very much fencing and you're focusing your attacks on deflecting people's like swords and breaking their stances and stuff, which I'm assuming is similar to Sekiro, only Sekiro is, like is a million times harder. That is very much what Sekiro is all about, kind of breaking their combat posture so then you can inflict like a death blow. Yeah. And yeah. That's the same thing. I think I imagine then that means that that like ultimately stemmed from just a straight up katana combat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm, no ex, I'm no expert in swordplay, but I think that'd be something I should probably really enjoy reading into. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's an, it's a good combat. It's like very very free flowing. Um, it's forgiving enough. Like you don't have to be perfect when it comes to fighting. You can. Um, it's 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 along the same lines of difficulty as like the other PS4 first uh, PlayStation first title first party titles. They're all like if as long as you're not stupid with the gameplay and as long as you can kind of just put in enough of an effort you'll probably be fine that's cool so so it can be quite forgiving then it can be quite forgiving it also can be quite challenging but it's they're all around the same level of difficulty it's like if you if you if you figure out what you're doing then you'll be fine there's no there's not a lot of harm is it uh are you relying much on kind of stealth aspects here or are you really just kind of going in all guns blazing or do you have a choice or how does it, how does it work? In? You get a choice. So uh, sometimes when you're like, when you're doing certain bits, you're having to stealth because if you alert the guards, they'll kill the prisons that you're trying to free. And that's cool. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, but it's because the prisoners are like specific people that you need. Oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, when you're going in gung ho, oh, oh man, there's this really cool feature, and I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's this really cool feature when, when you're walking up to a crowd of people, um, you can press a button and they'll do a standoff, and he'll, he'll like challenge, be like, one of you come face me, and then they'll do like a, a, a straight up standoff where you have to hold down the triangle button, and then when they're just about to attack, you quickly release it, and he quickly, like, he like slashes their throats, and it's the coolest shit. It's like a, it's like the equivalent of a Western like gun standoff. Only with that sounds so badass. It's very cool, and I was like, man, this is amazing. Like this, yeah, I, I did my first one of those, and I'm like, I'm probably really going to like this game. I, I bet the um, the blood sprays in 4K must look incredible. The blood sprays, the leaves. Oh my god. The leaves. <laughs> the leaves like i know i know they're leaves and it's a tree but but yeah no it does it's it's just one of those games that when you're playing it i just had like a big fucking grin on my face like yeah i'm, I'm really gonna like this 
which yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to play that. I mean, seeing this, the Casima Electronics show is literally, I think it's January 14th this year. Okay. Um, so they'll start um, announcing new TVs and hopefully as soon as they come on the market, mm-hmm. I'm going to start playing in 4K. Nice. Um, what other games I was thinking of? So uh, in terms of games that I plan to play next year, but from this year, another one is Doom Eternal. Um, I, I bought that recently and I think I'm going to get through that at some point. Um, obviously, I've got nothing to say about it so far, uh, but I played, I played all the like the older dooms except for like mm-hmm. i think one from 20, 2011 or some shit but yeah so should be relatively comfortable you know there's not much, there's not a lot of depth that you can have with with something like doom you know you're just going around and killing everything and you get like a it's, it's cathartic <laughs> there's beauty in the simplicity exactly and that's what that's why the franchise is literally eternal yeah literally it, eternal it's it, like the it, it just constantly um it delivers it's like partly the reason why we have the fps genre in the first place you know like it's it's uh iconic for a reason uh and finally yeah so bought uh persona 5 royal um which came out earlier this year i bought that recently um so i will play through that at some point i think i'm going to play through that after i play through uh strikers but not anytime soon i'm uh bit burnt out with that rpg as much as i love it so what i was thinking is uh when you finish five and i finish royal we can do like a big round review of the whole persona 5 <laughs> experience that does that does sound good that sounds like it's going to be like an episode in itself exactly yeah it'll be an episode in itself um yeah so yeah in terms of 2020 we just went we, we have talked a lot about the 2020 best of but fuck it we um we have done our uh, yeah we did it with that was our review so overall, man, like 2020 for gaming has been great and for movies have been terrible. And it's it's been an, it's an interesting dichotomy. That's, that's the thing. I realistically don't see it changing. No, me neither. So, yeah. I mean, we've gonna... literally just gone into lockdown again. So I don't really see it feasibly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of waiting to hear more news from Nintendo, what's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. I don't really know of many um, movie releases that are coming out. I know Marvel are probably going to put out a fair few films this year. Yeah. Mm, I don't know what else to say really on that one. No, there's really not a lot more to say. I mean, it'll be good to see the back of 2020. Well, it's good to see the back of 2020. It'll be good to see the back of uh, this current lifestyle. And yeah, man, like it'll be good to get back to normal and review and review things a- Bit you know without without this uh, undertone of like well we enjoyed it while we Dread. were yeah this undertone yeah. of we we're now living in the breath of the wild universe that's what it's like <laughs> oh definitely I yeah. mean it'll be cool to finally um, choose to actually meet up and record a podcast yeah exactly and not have the weird like interference when we're talking <laughs> yeah because right now we're actually both carrying on with the Zoom format which to be fair I think we've adapted quite well. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's pretty good. I mean, it was a rough start, but we're here now, and we're, we're sounding pretty great. It, I, I, I mean, like we, we were never, we were never great, but we're <laughs> we're getting there. We'll get there. We'll get those sponsors soon enough. Don't you worry. So, so yeah, man, that's um, that is the year in twenty twenty review in terms of games and movies. Uh, in terms of TV shows, 
because uh, I know we sometimes touch on those and sometimes we don't. We don't. Um, the only thing that really comes to mind is the boys' season two. That's literally it. I only watched the first season and I kind of just neglected the second. There you go. So we don't really have a reason to talk about it. It was good. That's, that's about all I have to say. Um, better than the first? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I think so. I, I don't <laughs> They're both very I mean, that, the both that, that really that, that really just sums it up then, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. It's like TV shows are the most neglected part of our um of our show because generally speaking, when we're talking about TV shows, we're either talking about cartoons or anime. We never really talk about like uh your typical TV shows that real people are watching. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> but by the way, I make the effort now. By the way, there's still like several animes I've told you to watch that you still not have, you still not watch. And we're going to cover that in our next section: Amrake's anime extravaganza. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's like a different name for it every week. <laughs> that's the that's part of the fun. That's what makes it an extravaganza. But uh, yeah, um, please, for love of God, watch um, watch Golden Kamoi. Please watch Demon Slayer. Okay, I will do. I, like, I beseech you on a weekly basis. Please. <laughs> it's like no one. It's like the people at home can't see me winking to the camera, but you can. So the <laughs> purpose of winking to the camera, but still, no, I'll get around. Right. I'm just really bad at watching things because I'm always playing things. You see, I have my priorities straight. <laughs> I knew, yeah. I knew we had a um, podcast episode rule, so I was like, I need to play this in order to get it done for the podcast. <laughs> see, I'm the complete opposite. I barely play stuff, but I'm constantly just watching things. So you think we have a pretty rounded podcast, and yet we don't? <laughs> it's still so lopsided. Yeah. It's okay. Oh well, whatever comes. Maybe, out. We'll, maybe we'll fix that one day. Oh. In terms of things you're looking forward to in 2021, um, I guess we may as well touch on that. So in the first few months already, uh, we've got, for me at least, Persona 5 Strikers charged, which I keep calling it, even though I know it's not Persona 5 Strikers charged, it's just Persona 5 Strikers. But I'm going to pretend it's a sequel to Mario Strikers charged. And and yeah, I'm not going to stop calling it that. Um, <laughs> that'll be good, I think. I don't know. I'm assuming it's the same sort of gameplay as Okay, so you know when you compare Hyrule Warriors 1 and Hyrule Warriors 2, in terms of like the overall gameplay and what you're doing, it's the same shit, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Exactly the same thing. I'm, ex- I'm expecting Persona 5 to be pretty much the same, only with the Persona 5 characters. And instead of killing like Bokoblins, you're killing the, the shadows. Um, in terms of like later on in the year, what are you expecting? What are we expecting from like Nintendo? There's... We're going to get um, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five in Marchish, I think, which will be something for for someone. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, the RPG to come out. That not already out. Um, they're releasing a PlayStation Five version, which I'm probably just going to get that one instead. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it looks like a hilarious RPG, and I can't wait to play it. I'm looking forward to when the witcher gets a ps5 upgrade and we can play that for free hopefully um i think i in terms in terms of like just prospective things that i hope um i hope that we get um was it i hope we get like um oh that's it 3d world i have pre-ordered so um hopefully we can play through that at some point that'll be really good the, the, the switch that's cool. I didn't, I didn't realise you uh, bought that yeah me as well isn't it 
will clearly have a problem. Um, I mean, I mean, I've I've got like twenty three pounds in like um, game collection points. So I'm I'm wondering yeah. if I should just just spend it on that. But I don't know if I want to wait till like uh, Nintendo suddenly drops a direct and say, "Oh yeah, we're releasing Breath of the Wild this year." By the way, <laughs> but they might because they're saying it's all the game every year, and there pretty much is now. Don't get my hopes up, man. Don't get my hopes there, up. There literally is. Like, if it's not going to be Breath of the Wild 2, it'll be another, um, like, like how they did Link's Awakening. It'll be another 2D one. Or revamp, yeah. Yeah, which I wouldn't complain about. Mm. I really liked um, Link's Awakening. They shouldn't remake the first one. Like, they should make the le- they should remake the Legend of Zelda and make it more playable. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt they'll do that. But, they, they, but they've they done it. would be really cool. They've done it with all their other flagship franchises because Mario 1 got Super Mario All-Stars and yeah. Metroid, Metroid 1 got um, Metroid uh, Zero Mission. And You never know. You could be onto something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, like 2021, I guess we can, we can touch on that at some point. We should talk about like the, the things we, we hope at some point. Let's be honest. There's, there's no hope at this stage. <laughs> Well, you know what? I think next next week's episode of like the worst of 2020 might be more fitting. Either that or it'll be like... Okay, so first of all, all the films that we mentioned today, except for maybe Birds of Prey, are probably going to be on that list. Probably, yeah. Um, we'll have, I'll have a good thing about it and see what we can come up with. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see what else we can criticize. Um, but yeah, man, uh, in, in terms of like... What, what are you planning on playing? Because now that you've got the PS5, what are you? You're, you're going to have to revisit a whole bunch of games. Yes, indeed. So I'm going to finish off. So I'm not like you. I cannot play one game more than one game at a time. I have to multitask. It's this whole just I can't focus on one at a time. I have to multitask. Like I've got to like focus my. I got to be focused on one thing at a time. I cannot do that. So I'm going to finish off um, Persona Five. Most likely, probably, probably end up starting um, Ghost of Tsushima as soon as I get the new TV. Mm-hmm. And from there, I am probably, I have no idea what I'm going to play next because I've got like a drawer full of other games. I'll probably end up playing the first Spider Man game for the PlayStation. You may as well. It's a good game. It's a very good game. Yeah. And then after that, I'm most likely, I'm probably either going to go into Sekiro or, yeah, probably Sekiro actually. Well, you've got uh, any of the games I have to borrow and, you know, well, we've gone through enough on this podcast about things that I recommend. <laughs> like yeah. A fair amount of PS4 library. I'd highly recommend you play through Battle for Bikini Bottom just for the shits and giggles. <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it a go, but to be honest, like, I never really watched Spongebob as a kid. So yes, I'm wondering if a lot of that is going to be, like, lost on me. It might be, to be honest, because a lot of the charm is, like, the references. That's a fair point. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think that's a fair place to say we're done with that segment. We're probably done with the show this week because, I mean... I think so. It's an yeah. extra long one, but we got there. We got there in the end. We're, um, we're, we're all good. We've actually done it. That's the best of 2020, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for joining us this week, and we'll be back next week for the worst of 2020, which might be one of the shortest episodes we'll ever do because I can't think of anything bad at this moment. I agree. I cannot think of anything from the top of my head. So it's probably going to be a super short episode, maybe 10 minutes. We just don't know because there's no kind of 
we're not very consistent in our timings and most likely it's probably going to stay that way. Yes. So, oh, different. well. It doesn't really matter. Who needs structure? Who needs structure to, to get by? But also... Exactly. In a time like this, like who needs structure? You can just listen to our voices on end for as long as you need to. Um, with uh, future topics, we'll be doing the worst of 2020 next week and then we'll probably be doing some more concentrated reviews like we did for Wonder Woman. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I guess see you next week, guys, and uh, hope you all have a better year. I mean, it's already started off super strange, but <laughs> thank you, thank you for joining in with us today, and all the best for this coming year. It's been already super fucking weird. It's probably going to get worse, but hey ho, we're all in this together. I just had this like weird thought of like imagine um, the people who were who were who were uh, rioting at Capitol Hill yesterday and they were like, while they were bored and waiting around, they were just listening to us. <laughs> and that's, that's how they started the 2021. <laughs> like that suddenly becomes our market for some reason. I mean, like, maybe they were listening to us and then God decided to punish them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's so maybe another? you could be onto something. I was like, that's going to be one of the jokes that really dates this episode. If, if, <laughs> if having a best of 2020 didn't already date this episode massively. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it's uh, fantastic to be here again, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Definitely. Remember, everybody, go and uh, play as many games as possible. Give yourself carpal tunnel, and hope you have a great new goat. Take care and I'll see you guys next week.